Hello to all our wedding planning couples. I'm Tara and welcome to the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. I'm excited to share my creativity and 14 years experience as a professional wedding planner and decorator. And I'm Josh and we're so happy you're joining us for some solid down to earth wedding planning advice that I've accumulated over my 18 years in the industry. We believe that weddings are supposed to be fun and fulfilling, not full of stress and conflict. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting and coordination services. Visit us at completewedo.com for more information. You have successfully resisted the urge to plan before setting your budget and priorities. Great job. Now that the budget is set, it's time to pick your date and book your venue. So today we're going to talk about that, how to do it, and then what comes next afterwards. So Tara, first question in part one, we said to set your budget and priorities before you start doing any kind of planning, which is resisting a major urge to pick a date start picking a venue to just really dream big before you put some thought and process into it. Um, so the next step after the budget and priorities are set is going to be to pick your date and venue. So my question, this sounds like a chicken and an egg type of situation of date and, and venue. So which one actually comes first? You know, I think that that has changed a lot. I would say in the past, it used to be the date. Um, there was definitely more um, significance when people were choosing what date they wanted to have their wedding date on. Now, a lot of people, and because of the influx of the number of weddings, if they want a certain venue, sometimes they could care less what date that is, as long as their venue is available. Um, so in a perfect world, I guess if I had to choose one, I would say choose your date first and then a venue. However, if you have your heart set on a venue, then maybe that's your first step um, in really figuring out what dates they may still have available. Got it. So it sounds like a lot of the question really comes down to how set you are on a specific venue. So these, these things are going to kind of go at the same time, it, it sounds like, right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, there's definitely, I mean, there's things to consider when when thinking about your date um, specifically. Um, most people, again, are first going to think through, okay, is there a significant date within our relationship that we want to now be a part of our, our wedding day? Those are typically things you're going to see on the first day that you met, the first day you started dating, the day you got engaged, um, those are typically where you're going to see a lot of that date significance, um, as opposed to like your relationship. The other dates that you see is like today, uh, 2 if this would have fallen on a Saturday, I bet you we would have had an influx of weddings. We actually only have one wedding that we are a part of today. Um, but those kind of dates or even holiday weekends, those dates that typically are easier to remember also become very significant when people are choosing their dates. Yeah, I remember 7707. I, I think that's the day Eva Longoria and Tony Parker got married. That was the <laughs> celebrity wedding of that year. Uh, recent ones here, I remember 81818 was a day 101020. COVID kind of wrecked that being as mm -hmm. big of a wedding day as I thought we were going to get. But yeah, that that makes sense about the date. So would you recommend when you're picking your date and thinking about your venue to try and be more broad about the type of venue that you want just to make things a little more open? For example, saying I want a rustic venue, which means that you're looking for something like a barn on a specific date, or would you recommend more keying in on the venue that you just absolutely love and, and working from that point? 
Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes down to your your venue, it does come down to kind of what that that look and feel of your overall wedding that you're trying to accomplish. And so, yeah, I mean, if you, you know, going back to the date thing, a lot of people are choosing based on season. So they may not know an exact fall date or spring date, summer date, but they just know they want those certain months, um, which again comes down to types of venues. Those rustic venues are very popular in the fall. Um, a lot of our barn venues don't actually operate in the winter months because they don't have heat, um, you know, and even in the dead heat of the summer are not as popular because they don't have air conditioning. And so I think definitely when you're thinking about, you know, your date and your venue, those two things come hand in hand, the season as well as what your look and feel is because they usually can tie in together. But that overall, yeah, if you're looking for that, the ballroom and stuff like that, you're you're going to be limited to it so to a select number of venues. The same thing if you're looking for that barn, there's a select number of venues in most cities. And so if your heart is set on those, then you may have to look into their availability before choosing your date. So it sounds to me like the most foundational part of this is you need to determine if there's a specific date based on something with your relationship or if there's a specific season you're looking at so you really do have to have some opinion on what the the date looks like or you can decide that you just truly don't care and you're going to find an, an available date with a venue is that an accurate statement yeah i would say so i think when you also talk about like the venue being available it also may come down to okay they may have october 2022 available um, and you just got engaged over Valentine's Day. Can you strategically plan your wedding date in that amount of months? Going back to our episode, you know, part one of this whole uh, podcast, does your budget allow you to have a wedding that quickly or do you need to, you know, save up some time? And so when you're going around and doing those venue tours, like think through that, like, oh yes, you may have your heart set on this venue, but if the dates that they're available are going to cause you stress because now you have to rush into the planning or maybe it's the other way around where the only date they have available is in 2024 and now you don't want to wait that long or have that long of an engagement and so you're going to choose a different venue like think through what that planning process looks for you and if it is feasible for what your plans are got it okay so it sounds like uh some opinions on the date are the thing that comes first in the chicken and the egg situation all right yeah. so <laughs> when we're when we're looking at a venue you've you've mentioned a couple of things to think about when you're looking for the venue such as the um the timing that you're looking for and then the type of venue what other things would you tell a couple to consider when they're picking the perfect venue well, the first thing that I think anybody should consider, and you know, I think you and I kind of toyed around if this should be in part one or part two, um, is diving into your guest list. Um, and really, you know, yes, you have your budget, you have your priorities on where that budget, you know, is going to play. But really, knowing how far that budget can stretch, you have to know how many people. And really, that comes into play significantly about your venue. There are some gorgeous venues around here that only fit 150 to 200. And we have a lot of weddings that are over 300 people. So that obviously eliminates those venues. And so the first thing to do is figure out what that guest list is going to be. Ideally, that would mean that you guys are sitting down and compiling a list. It does not mean you need all the addresses and everything. You don't necessarily need to know all of your third cousin's first names. You just need to know that Aunt Betty is a family of five. 
and your friends from college make up a guest list of 25 plus their plus ones. So you're at 50 people of just your college friends, you know, so putting that number together and let's say that comes to 300 people. They typically say 75 to 80% of that guest list is actually going to show up. And so that is the number that you need to plan on when you're looking at spaces to see if all those people can fit. And I have a lot of times where couples are like, nope, we love this venue. We'll figure it out. Maybe we'll do cocktail seating and not, you know, tables of eight. Uh, maybe there's that venue can, you know, push out into the outdoors and there's some people inside, some people outside. However you see that working, just make sure that you really think through what that process looks like um, and that your venue knows that you're going over their guest list number that they can fit inside and what your plans are so that you're not throwing some red flags when you are there for setup day and you can't fit everybody in there or if the weather changes and now all those outdoor people are in the rain. Yeah, capacity is definitely an interesting thing and uh, something you have to make sure you consider. I've I've always um, told couples if the venue says they can hold 250, that's a great spot for for like 200 people, for example. So that way you're not uh, having to snake through all the tables or not even be able to do things like your grand entrance. But talking about the 75% of people that show up, did you notice a trend in 2020 or 2021 for the weddings that did happen where it was actually a bigger pickup than the 75%? Because I can tell you, I, I certainly did. I certainly yes. did. I heard yeah, I, I, I feel like it was kind of hit and miss. There was definitely some weddings in early, obviously, in 2020, when the world, you know, went to a halting stop, there was less people coming. And you, obviously, your intimate weddings were happening because of, you know, venue restrictions and stuff. And then once those started to lift, you still had people that were scared. 21 was definitely where people were excited to get back out and wanted to get back to those 300 person weddings and more people were coming. We still saw some travel restrictions. So some people, you know, weren't coming from out of town due to, you know, flights and stuff of that nature. But it's, it's definitely trending more towards the, the bigger weddings here um, and more people of that guest list coming. Yeah, that's just definitely something that I noticed. And and maybe this was more of a 2021 trend where people were looking for anything to get back to normal. And that wedding seemed like the, the perfect time to do it. And it just seemed like the couples and their families generally had similar sensibilities to what they felt comfortable doing. And it's uh, if we're looking to do the big thing, it's because everybody's, you know, looking to come. So yeah, uh, good call there. So when we're talking about the venue what are some other things we need to get into? We've gotten a little bit into the type and the capacity. Let's dive into the type a little bit more. So what kind of types of venues should couples be thinking about? And what are some of the things that, you know, one type is going to offer over others? Yeah. So I guess I'd clarify when we are, are saying type, it can be two different things. I mean, I know which rabbit hole we're going to go down to, but, uh, you know, when you first think about the type is the, again, that overall look, do you want rustic? Do you want industrial? Do you want a um, hotel ballroom or, you know, another type of ballroom type space? Um, those are at least our, our popular force that we have. And then you start to think about, okay, is the type of venue what I would consider like an inclusive venue, meaning do they have food and beverage on site? Do they have any other vendors on site? Are they connected to a hotel so that your guests, you know, don't have to actually travel in a car to get, you know, to where you're going? Can they offer 
a ceremony and a reception location both on site. And sometimes that is an indoor, you know, reception, but outdoor ceremony kind of thing. And so those are way more popular now. It used to be, you know, church weddings are, you know, not becoming the norm. Uh, still have a great place for them, love them, um, still a great opportunity. And I would say if, if you're looking into what, when we say venue, don't forget about that venue as well. If you don't belong to a church or maybe, you know, you're out of town. And so obviously you're not going, you know, and you want to do your wedding somewhere else than where you go to church, you know, going and taking a look at what churches a allow weddings that are not from there, you know, parish that people that don't actually attend their church can get married there most of them do for a fee um but no you know and then figure out okay how far away is that church from your reception venue what is the timing a lot of churches especially if you're doing a catholic church you're going to get married at one or two o'clock in the afternoon do you want your reception to start at three or do you want your reception to start at five and so there's some definitely some factors to take into place when you're doing a church when you have those venues where you have your ceremony on site, again, indoor outdoor options are, are you know, available everywhere, but that sometimes again changes your timing. Um, most people are doing you know, later four o'clock, five o'clock ceremonies and then reception to follow because everything's on site. You can't really do a break in between and make people leave somewhere that they just got to kind of thing. And so those, those are all definitely things to consider um and just to recap there it would be again if you're you have a type based on what they look like do you have a type based on what they can include with your room rental can they offer ceremony and reception locations for you or can your ceremony and reception be in close proximity um and then the other thing would be um obviously when we talk about that inclusiveness is do they have a preferred vendor list and do those vendors line up to what you're looking for yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that I want to plug a little bit more on when you're when you're talking about a church wedding in particular, you you make a really good point. Make sure that you one remember to to book that as well, and and keep in mind that a church, regardless of location, is probably going to have the same kind of availability restrictions as the um, actual venue itself. And so, definitely make sure that you're booking both of those at the same time and not waiting a couple months down the, the road and then realizing that, oh my God, you can't have the wedding in the actual church that you want. And, and you have to make a decision if you're going to tear everything up and start over again, or if you're going to do without the church wedding, it's better to just get that sensibility as part of your uh, priorities and everything like that and, and get that set at the beginning. And, you know, another thing that I'll mention about the, uh, the church thing, make sure that you're asking the questions. If you are not a member of whatever, you know, congregation group that is, you ask them what they're going to need from your, your home group to help because a lot of times uh, we'll use the Catholic example. If you're going to get married at a different Catholic church, they're going to want a letter from the head of your church to tell them that you're in good standing. So be thinking about all of that stuff up front and, um, you know, makes it a lot less stressful if you're, if you're looking at those things at once. Okay. Great information there. So let's make sure that we tie budget back in. I mean, part one, we got pretty deep into setting your budget and your priorities. So how do you need to, make sure you're considering your budget constraints and availability when you're picking your venue, kind of tie those things back in together. 
Yeah, so in part one, we talked about venue um, and that did kind of tie in sometimes with catering, depending on if your venue was offering catering in-house, but venue came to be about 50% of your budget in most cases. And so that's a significant amount of your budget when thinking about your venue. A, if you're going to choose that $7,000 venue that offers, you know, all those great amenities, does that fit with your, your budget, with everything else that your priorities are? Is that going to leave enough for you to have the food you want, the flowers you want, the, you know, wedding planner you want, whatever it may be? So we often find that people splurge a lot in their, in their budget with the venue because they have their heart set on one. Again, I think that that's perfectly fine, but know that you are okay maybe cutting some corners in some other places if you are going to go with that top of the budget venue. In the same retrospect, if you if the venue is one that either A, you have a great options in your town, so you can, you know, budget-wise, it's more in line with maybe say 2000 to 5000 then maybe that's okay with you and you can definitely then splurge somewhere else on your vendors but definitely when thinking about your venue budget knowing what your venue is going to provide for you is going to impact what your other budget is and so if your venue is just the building tables and chairs then think about okay you have to bring in all your other cater or all your other vendors such as catering food flowers all that stuff and then also linens and decor. And if you're choosing a venue that's very bare bones, that decor budget sometimes can get significantly high. Again, if you're going for this look of you know something else that your venue isn't already equipped with. To save money, you can definitely choose venues that don't need a lot of extra pizzazz uh, to pick them up or sometimes saving money where you are doing their in-house catering alcohol but i think that can also you know come back the other way where when it is in-house food and alcohol you often have some extra fees such as gratuity um, and service charges um, and stuff of that nature so make sure you know what all those fees look like note make sure you know if they have a food and beverage minimum which a lot of ours do that they'll waive your room rental if you meet your food and beverage minimum and sometimes that can be significant and sometimes that doesn't make a difference, um, but just read your contracts and do your research and go to a lot of venue site tours to try to really figure out the right one that's going to fit within that budget. Yeah, and one extra little layer that I'm going to throw in there, make sure that you put a lot of thought into the stuff that you can't do the event without. And you touched on a lot of this, but to kind of corral this together, you're going to have to have a spot for people to be. And so, you know, you know that you're going to be paying the room rental. You got to feed people something, you know, there's no rule on what the meal actually is. So you can, you can look at what the lowest cost item is to try and maximize how many people you can get in based on the food, but just know that you have to feed people. And so just knowing that you have to have that room rental and you have to have the actual, you know, meal cost budgeted for, I think is a really important thing. And then you can think of the nice to haves, which are the appetizers, the open bar, which can be at various different levels, and then even things like late night food. So just think about the uh, what you have to have and what would be nice to have. And I mean, one of my favorite weddings from this last year, I, I did the music at, it was this gorgeous, gorgeous golf course, um, private location. And they brought in a bunch of McDonald's food for late night food, just McDoubles and McChickens and stuff like that. And I mean, I thought it really fit the personality of the crowd really well. And it was a way to, you know, cut a corner, quote unquote, by not bringing in the $30 a pizza type of stuff that the venue would have done. 
And I thought it was a, it was kind of a cool little touch. And these guys decided to spend their money on having a good open bar package and, you know, skimped quote unquote on the uh, late night food, but it, it ended up working out perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think those, those people that are definitely wanting to splurge on some of those late night snacks, those, the huge open bars and stuff like that. Sometimes you do find that they're, they're going the cheaper venue side so that they can make sure they can put those into their budget. Um, alcohol is one of those things that you'll find when it is included in the venue, it often does add more cost than if you're trying to DIY that. Um, but the thing to think about, um, besides just obviously what those costs are on the in-house food and alcohol, is the convenience. I mean, as a wedding planner, I absolutely love doing the, the hotel ballrooms and the all-inclusive venues that have in-house catering and alcohol, because that's one less person that you have to try to figure out details with. You can talk to your venue coordinator who can then handle everything. Um, that's also one less person to corral on vendor load-in times and stuff of that nature because they're already in-house. Um, and so that um, can definitely, that, that ease, especially if you don't have a wedding planner, sometimes going with those more all-inclusive venues are going to save you time. Although, yes, it may give you a little bit higher budget in those spaces, but think about how much your time is valuable and do you want to figure out who's going to be clearing buffet plates and stuff of that nature, or you just want the staff that's already there to do it. Yeah, I, I was going to say exactly what you just said. Your time is worth something. Keep that in mind. So every decision that you make, keep in mind what your personal contribution is going to have to be and, and make sure that aligns with you and your your future spouse's sensibilities, you know, and, and I think that goes through so many different wedding things that we could get down a, a major rabbit hole. So last question that I have for you about venues, we, we talked a little bit about indoor and outdoor proximity, proximity to where people are going to be um, logistic wise, whether they're, they're driving in from a hotel, taking a shuttle bus, things of that nature. Um, we haven't really addressed when you're looking at an outdoor venue, what any kind of backup plan could be because most uh most places there's things like weather you know you could have massive amounts of wind in places like where you are um you could have cold and in, in places where i am and it's going to rain everywhere so what are your thoughts on having backups and you know if that ties into any of the proximity logistic type of stuff yeah and we definitely in in season one of our podcast we we, we talked about those outdoor backup plans a lot um so definitely go back and listen to some of those podcasts but the the big thing is yeah when you are choosing your venue and going down that planning process and you choose the outdoor ceremony location or even there are some venues that are more you know outdoor friendly um, like i was saying if you're trying to push all your extra guests out onto the patio you better make sure you're going to have great weather to do that um, and so having backup plans at the same time you are actually picking your regular venue or your, your main venue i think is ideal now sometimes that doesn't happen the exact same day maybe that's a week month later kind of thing that you figure out that plan but if you have chosen a venue that offers outdoor ceremony and indoor reception most of the time you're just your backup plan is just to move your ceremony indoors but then you need to think through what the logistics of that looks like are you okay that people sit around their guest round tables and watch you get married on the dance floor 
or are you dead set on having, you know, theater style seating in an actual, you know, church looking style where you walk down an aisle and get married and then you have a flip of the room after your ceremony. And so think through those logistics and talk to the venue coordinators to figure out what they've done and what works well with your guest list. I can't say that enough because what works for a hundred person wedding when it comes to like flips does not work the same when it's 300 people and it's cold outside and no one has anywhere to go when you are doing a flip of the room. And so really think through what that looks like. If you're choosing a venue for your ceremony that is separate from your reception and your reception can't hold your ceremony for some reason, or that's not the right look of what you're doing, then you might need to have a backup church or a backup community hall or some other type of venue and again, talk through, okay, if we don't actually end up using you, what's our cancellation fee? How soon do we need to know? And knowing with your venue, even when do you make that call? Do we get married outside? Do we not kind of thing and what those logistics look like? And again, I won't dive too deep into that because um, we can reference that old podcast, but it, it really is something to consider doing at the same time of picking your venue. If you don't have perfect weather, what is our backup plan? Yep. So that episode was uh, episode 54, which was actually in season two, which is the prep for dealing with a rainy day. And I think if more than anything, that just tells us how long we've been doing this one. So yeah, I'm like, wait, season three? What? Yeah, definitely go back and reference uh, episode 54. And, you know, the one the one piece that I'll add, just make sure that you know what the plan is for inclement weather and make sure that it's something that you can actually live with. Because the last thing you want to be doing is getting to a point where you have to make the call and it just puts you in a headspace that's not good before you walk down the aisle to, you know, be thinking about how much you dislike what that option is. So make sure that you talk to your venue coordinator if it's a, a move the thing inside and do a flip and find out logistically what that work looks like with uh, with a crowd of your size and everything. And just make sure that you make peace with what that looks like. And, um, you know, not all venues are created equal. If they have a separate spot, they can send people for cocktail hour. Those usually work out really well. And uh, not every venue staff is created equally. I can certainly think of places where I don't know that they're completely equipped to do what we're talking about. And then I know other ones that it's a bunch of ninjas that come in and have that room flip so fast it'll make your head spin. So get an idea of what you're what you're dealing with and what that could possibly do to the day. Uh, anything else we need to talk about from a venue standpoint, or can we get into the uh, third part, which is you are now ready to start booking vendors? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that's it. So yeah, let's talk about those those vendors that are, are definitely, I would say, are really in line with, you know, again, you've set your budget, you know what your priorities are, which hopefully will help you in those selection of vendors, you've got your date, and you've got your venue, hopefully, and now you know what what your venue is not going to offer, who they allow in, and now you get to go to the fun part, which is definitely, I think, uh, choosing your vendors, uh, more specifically going on cake tastings, because that's my favorite. <laughs> Got it. So to, to recap, you want to have your top three to five priorities. And if it's something broad, like uh, good entertainment, then it can be exploring a band or a DJ, or if it's having a good band or having a good DJ, that's one. Uh, cake is definitely something that you mentioned. The Esther Lee uh, interview that we did, she mentioned things like photography and floral decor. So just think about what the important things are. And I would, I would kind of look at it as a, a bucketized group of things. Think of the uh, overall look and feel, which can be floral decor. Think of uh, the entertainment side 
and then think of uh, things like the food experience, things of that nature. Yeah, I would definitely say that's that's very right. And you're right with with Esther Lee, we talked about um, those top three are typically photo and video. I always group those together because I do think everyone should have both, but some people do choose one or the other, which is fine. Wedding planner is usually in the top. And again, if you're somebody who is, is A, struggling to find the time to plan your day, or you're struggling to try to fit everything within your budget, or you are on a time constraint because you chose the venue and it's only available in six months, and now you have six months to plan your entire day, um, whatever it may be that you know a wedding planner is going to help you with, um, sometimes doing that in the very beginning is going to save you time, money, and definitely a lot of stress. And so put that at top of your list if that's something you want to consider. If you're looking for somebody more like a day of coordinator or someone just to come in and decorate, sometimes those can definitely be decided later in your planning process, but it's something to make sure that you set aside in your budget that it's a need for you, um, even if you're not gonna plan it right away. Entertainment is usually always in the top three. People leave talking about how much fun they had at your wedding. And so the experience you give them should be a good chunk of your budget. Um, so really think through, like you said, a band versus a DJ. Um, and then food and alcohol is definitely usually in those top five. Um, and that doesn't mean, again, you have to know exactly what you're serving for your signature drink or what your buffet meal is going to be. But knowing, you know, again, what catering and alcohol options your venue provides, if they don't provide it, do they have a preferred list? If they really don't care, do you want the stress of Aunt Betty making pulled pork or do you want an experienced caterer that's also gonna come with the staff to clear your plates? And is it a buffet versus a plated meal? Like there's a lot of factors that come into choosing your catering. Um, and then again, alcohol, do you want an open bar? Do you want a host beer and wine? Do you want a cash bar? There's a lot of factors that again can play into your budget. And so I think that's something to really look into first because it could be a shocker at the end um, it, when you're really thinking about that as your overall budget. And then your, your last vendors that really come into play are probably your decor, flowers, cake, transportation, photo booth. Um, don't forget about room blocks, hair and makeup. If you're gonna need a vendor to provide favors of any sort, um, definitely don't forget about those. And to go back to you know those non-traditional church weddings, if you're not getting married in a church, you probably need to find somebody that's actually marrying you. And if that is something that's important, or you know that you want it to have some sort of church feel, oftentimes a lot of officiants require premarital counseling. And so if you're trying to do a wedding in six months, an officiant and a, or you know a pastor needs to be one of the first things that you book so that you can get that premarital counseling done. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you referenced hotel room blocks. Episode 45 in season two is all about hotel room blocks and how to do those. Uh, that's a pretty, uh, pretty good piece of knowledge. And uh, that one's Misty, who's got a pretty uh, deep hospitality background getting into the, the nuances of booking that. Yeah, I, um, I, I've always thought just uh, working in the industry and having a bunch of friends that have gotten married, there's, there's kind of two categories when you're thinking about the, the stuff after the wedding, when you're thinking of anniversaries, what you're going to remember and what you're going to think was really important retrospectively. And then same for your guests. And I mean, I would encourage you while this is your big day, think about your guests and your family and friends that you're bringing in and how you want them to remember the day. So for you as the couple, the memory capturing is going to be really important. So what the photo and video looks like, I think is going to be an important thing. And you're going to remember the overall 
just feeling you had that day. I think from a wedding guest, the three things that Darrow is going to remember are the food situation, the party situation, and the uh, bar situation. And it's not necessarily going to be exactly what it is. So, I mean, the meal can either be the best food that you've ever eaten at a wedding or, hey, there was food and I remember it was okay, you know? And, and I think that second one is a perfectly acceptable way to, to remember. You remember you got a good meal as a, as a former guest. And then the uh, alcohol situation, you definitely remember, you know, who of your friends had the open bar with top shelf liquor versus just the beer and wine versus the ones that you're paying eight bucks for uh, rum and Coke because it was, it was a cash bar the entire time. So just uh, think about how you want to be remembered from that standpoint. And then I think the entertainment's really important because people are going to remember, oh my God, we stayed until midnight and we were sitting there chanting that we wanted one more song and the venue people were saying, no, you guys really need to get out of here. We're going to start turning <laughs> lights on. I mean, that's a cool vibe. That's a cool vibe when you're actually thrown out of the venue, you know, and I'm using that lightly, but it, it, it's one of those where you end on such a high note. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, but if uh, it ends up being a, a party that never completely gets going, you'll certainly remember if you end the night earlier than you thought you were going to. So put some thought into how you want your guests to remember and how you want, want to remember everything as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that you're absolutely right. Those are the things that people walk away remembering. And, and it's not saying you don't have to put thought into everything else. Obviously, as a professional decorator, I want you to put all the thought into the wow factor of when they come in, what your tables and all that stuff look like. Um, but in all reality, you can have a beautiful wedding with a low end budget. It's just a matter of thinking outside the box um, and getting creative. And and again, you know, we, we have some episodes on customizing and personalizing your day. And those are things that are going to allow your guests to remember your wedding day. And so if you decide to skimp on your food a little bit, you know, and go with the, you know, barbecue buffet, because it's the cheapest one on the, you know, in the hotel ballroom menu, then, you know, again, it's going to be good food. It may not be the number one thing they go away talking about, but provide some other experience for them that they do talk about. Um, and I think that that's easily to do in the same, you know, I'll bring up, I have a wedding that I'm working on right now where she just wants it to be this fun, like tailgate experience. Um, and so we're literally getting a nacho cheese fountain, mini pretzels, mini corn dogs, chicken nuggets. Um, you know, it's cotton candy machine is coming. I mean, it truly is going to be just this off the wall menu that a six-year-old is going to love. Uh, but to be honest, her 20 something friends are going to love it too. And they've, they're going to get creative with their signature drinks. And so again, it, it, that menu is not going to cost her the same as a prime rib menu, but it's going to be a menu that they talk about and remember. And so customize things to, to help spread, spread the love and make people remember your day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think, um, by the way, episode 47 in season two was a personalization episode. Now I'm, I'm definitely big on, you know, if your guests walk away and say that day was completely you, I think that's the, the most flattering thing that somebody can say after a wedding. And, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's always fun to be around family on the holidays, the Thanksgivings, the Christmases, the things of that nature, and to have your wedding be brought up as one of the ones that's, uh, that's memorable. I'm, I'm one of 21 first cousins, the vast majority of us are, are married. And I know that Misty and I's wedding comes up fairly frequently when we're at the holiday uh, gatherings and everything. And it's always interesting because the thing that everyone brings up more often than anything else, we got married in 2010 and we had a photo booth. So that was when photo booths were new. 
and people still talk about that damn photo booth and how much fun it was taking pictures i'm like guys I've, i brought a photo booth the last three thanksgivings you know <laughs> they, they remember they remember the one that was that was our wedding and everything and then the other thing they remember was that we had our ceremony on lake michigan at the war memorial and that we had our reception at one of the popular microbreweries so all the cousins that like beer liked what we had in the open bar it was uh, Milwaukee style cream city brick. And, and so it was just a very, you know, hit our personalities and, you know, we drug everybody to Milwaukee to show them our town and we got some uh, pushback at first, but everybody was happy that they came here. So, you know, just think, think about that. And I would highly encourage just when you're, when you're putting all of this together, just think about your guests, think about what the overall experience, the overall start and end time for the day is going to be for them keeping them engaged throughout the day and just think about how you want your wedding to be remembered five, 10 years down the road. Yeah. I mean, it really comes down to putting thought into it and not just trying to, to wing it, um, getting an idea of what is important to both of you. Um, what is important to the people that are financially contributing, um, you know, a lot of factors come into planning the big day, but the, the things that really matter are what's most important to you. So take time, plan it well, get it some help. If you if you don't know where to go from here, um, there is lots of opportunities um, to just talk through it with a vendor or again, hire a professional to help you every step of the way. Yep. All right, so anything else we need to talk about when we're looking at the Now You're Engaged part two, uh, picking date, venue, and starting your vendor selection? I think that that's it. We referenced a couple other episodes that obviously you can check out some more in-depth uh, details about all those different, you know, vendors and room blocks and personalization, um, backup plans. Definitely check out our other episodes to figure out all of those details. All right. And then let's uh, make sure we don't leave without talking a little bit about what our next episode is going to be. So this is episode 74. Episode 75 75 episodes dum, dum, dum. is going to be our big panel so make sure that you check that one out next this is going to be all of complete nation on uh, national wedding planning day for 2022 talking about the biggest uh, trends and really what we're doing is we're trying to gather all the topics that we know that you as wedding planning couples have highest on your mind so make sure you come back and check out that there is going to be a video version as well and, and that's, that's march 1st correct march 1st yep so that's going to be that's going to be some of the uh best uh brain dump from a big group of industry vets um from an organization that's been around since the 70s so we've we've seen a couple weddings in our day <laughs> <laughs> just a few yes lots of things up our sleeve definitely stay tuned we are excited for national wedding planning day yep come on back and until next time take care Cheers and happy wedding planning. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you got some helpful insight as you plan the big day. So until next time, I'm Tara with the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast. And I'm Josh. Please make sure to subscribe to our channel and rate and review us if you like what you hear. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services. Visit completewedo.com for more info. Happy wedding planning.